Kia ora Indira and my fellow RNZ listeners. Kia ora from way out here in Raleigh, North Carolina, United States, where we too are in the second week of a stay-at-home order. Kia ora. Welcome to all of you listening in from overseas. We hope you're all safe and well. I'm Indira Stewart. Welcome to the RNZ Coronavirus Podcast. We now have more information about the road ahead. Yesterday, the Prime Minister gave a speech outlining the next step once we leave Alert Level 4 lockdown. As Jacinda Ardern explained, the focus will shift from eliminating physical interaction to restricting that interaction. That is why I recently described Level 3 as the waiting room or something like a recovery room. We have to wait and see if what we have done has worked. After a while, if we don't show further signs of illness, we can go back to a life that is a bit more normal, which is what Alert Level 2 really starts to feel like. If we deteriorate, then it's back to lockdown at Level 4. So when we do make that move out of surgery and into the recovery room, what will it look like? Just like when you're recovering from an illness, you still primarily stay home. And that's the same message at Level 3. Stay home. Save lives. It remains the most effective way to break the chain of transmission. Keep your bubble. The more we can limit the new people everyone is exposed to, the better. But at Level 3, you can expand your bubble a small amount. If you have a caregiver that you need in your life, children who might be in a shared care arrangement, a de facto partner who is caring for others, or you're a single person who wants the company of a sibling, for example, you can extend your bubble. Keep it exclusive though, keep it small. So if you were planning a party with your mates to celebrate the end of level three, sorry, that's still not allowed. But there is some good news for those who've been looking longingly at the sea on sunny days under lockdown. You can swim, you can surf, you can, uh, you can fish from the shore. However, I do want to add a word of caution here. Now is not the time to take up a new activity that you have never done before. It is too risky. The whole point at this level is to continue to really reduce down, as I've said before, your contact with others. If there is any sign of congregation, we will not hesitate to review these changes. So please, do not rush to places where others may congregate as well and treat it as a reunion with your long-lost swimming buddies. Keep it alone or in your bubble. Keep it low risk. And also, keep it non-motorised. That means we are still excluding things like boating and jet skis. It's simply because we know from the statistics these are still prone to accidents or breakdowns that can lead you to have contact with others. Probably the biggest change under Level 3 is around work. The general rule is that anyone working from home at the moment needs to stay right where they are. But those who can't do their job from home will be allowed to go into work, but only if their workplace meets some strict requirements. For one thing, there can't be any face-to-face contact with customers, so only online shopping with contactless delivery. There are also rules for inside workplaces. That includes things like social distancing and good hygiene practices. The same applies for for those who work in people's homes, like furniture removal, electricians or plumbers. You can return to work, but keep your distance from your customers. 
But there are still a few industries which need to stay closed under Level 3. Public-facing bars, restaurants and cafes remain closed, and so do malls and retail stores. But unlike Level 4, food delivery, drive-through, online shopping or options like click-and-collect shopping can begin. The key principle here is simple. You cannot engage in face-to-face -face transactions, so use your phone, use your computer, use your car or use an app. I don't know about you, but as soon as we get down to level three, I'm headed straight to KFC. And good news for all you coffee caffeine addicts out there, the Prime Minister also confirmed that takeaway coffee will be allowed under level three. Of course, the question is, with more people heading into work, who will look after their kids? Well, under Level 3, the education system will be partially reopened, but only for kids who are too young to be left home alone. Early childhood centres and schools will be available up to and including Year 10 only. But attendance is purely voluntary. Our intention here is to create a place for children to go to learn if their parents need to return to work, but to do so safely. Children will be kept in their own school bubbles, small groups to try and limit their exposure to too many other children each day. For children who are able to, we still encourage them to remain home and be part of distance learning. There'll also be some slight relaxation of rules around events like funerals and weddings. Funerals will be able to go ahead, but they will not be able to have any more than 10 people. That includes um, for Tangi as well. For weddings, the same number applies, but they can only be services. No meals, food or receptions can take place. Sadly, Level 3 is about reducing risks. And as you will have seen from some of our devastating clusters, life events means a major risk and only require one person to be carrying the illness to spread it to dozens of others. And finally, travel. Under Level 3, we'll get a bit more freedom to move around. Previously, we have talked about keeping it local. At Level 3, we'll ask that you keep it regional. The principle here is that we know at Level 3 more people will travel to work uh, or to take children to school. We don't, however, want to take potential COVID cases into other parts of the country. So restricting movement to only what is necessary is still the goal here. And those new rules will take a bit of time to get used to. So it's a good idea to start thinking about what you can and can't do under the lockdown right now. There is more detailed information on the government's website, covid19.co.nz. The new stuff mostly comes down to mitigating the risk from our extra level of freedom. Most importantly, if you do come into contact with people outside your bubble, for example at work or at school, you must know who those people are and how to get in touch with them. Keep a note of where you have been, when you have been there and who with. It will help if we ever find ourselves contacting you because of a potential COVID case. Small changes like this will make the world of difference. The next big question is when will this all happen? We're expecting a decision from Cabinet about that on Monday, but we do know for sure that it's definitely not going to be any earlier than next Thursday, which is four weeks after the lockdown began. 
but it's still possible that Level 4 will be extended further. Dr Sean Hendy, who's been doing mathematical models of COVID-19's spread in New Zealand, has suggested an extra one or two weeks might be needed. In speaking to RNZ yesterday, epidemiologist Dr Michael Baker, who was on the government's COVID-19 technical advisory group, said he still hadn't seen crucial information about the level of testing and how long it's taking to track down and quarantine the contacts of people infected with COVID-19. That's all information we need to have before we can come out of lockdown. I'm hoping these data will appear very soon because I think it is a critical input for making a decision of this magnitude. It may well be that some groups within the response structure have all the data I'm talking about. It's just that I can say that I haven't seen those data and I would very much like to see them. And I think it would be important for all of us to know those data exist and we can look at them and say, yes, these key defences that New Zealand has are all in a good state of readiness as we come out of lockdown and as we move down the response hierarchy. All of the things I'm saying, those messages have been heard. There's nothing at all... um, secretive about any of these processes. I think they've been very transparent and I think they're quite robust. It is just that the sheer capacity of the system is absolutely strained and it is doing its best to catch up. Now it's my pleasure to reintroduce Dr Patricia Priest, an Otago University epidemiologist who's also part of the Ministry of Health's expert advisory group on coronavirus. Although we need to say she's strictly speaking with her academic hat on today and not as a member of that group. I asked Dr Priest what the big difference is between Level 4 and Level 3. I guess my summary would be that there's only a little bit more kind of contact with other people. So for example, you can buy things online even if they're not essential things, which is a change from now, but only where the purchase and the delivery can be made without physical contact with somebody else. And some businesses can reopen, but only where they don't have face-to-face customer contact. But they're also um, allowing children to go to school if they're um, below the age where they uh, can stay at home by themselves, and if they're, you know, if they need to go to school because their parents are at work. And what about for level two? So level two is, I mean, it's all kind of, it's all steps, isn't it? It's all sort of having a go and then seeing what happens. If we see that case numbers under level three stay very low, uh, so we think that the the risk of being infected by somebody from being in contact with them is likely to be very low, then in level two, we get to have a few more things opening like gyms and hairdressers. Um, There's still some restrictions on gathering sizes, but you're allowed some larger gatherings than you would be under level three. Uh, And I think um, public venues like swimming pools and libraries and so on will open and we'll have a lot more businesses open. So it's it's a big step towards kind of normal life, but not quite there. And how will these steps or these guidelines help us to contain the spread of the virus? So it's all about absolutely trying to minimise the probability of having contact with someone who could infect you. So it's about keeping um, 
keeping your distance and those kinds of things are so that if there is someone who you're nearby who who could infect you, you stay far enough away from them so they can't. And um, and obviously there's the continued, if you might be infectious, then staying away from other people. So it's really about uh, just trying to ensure that the probability of getting infected is as low as possible. What do you think are the most important things people need to do when we move to level three or even level two to avoid further outbreaks and to even avoid progressing back up into stricter lockdown rules? Yes, we really don't want to do that if we can possibly avoid it, do we? Um, It's going to be hard because I think having been in level four and people have been pretty good at, you know, drastically uh, constraining their lives, (laughs) Um, it would be easy to just go, right, let's, let's just go and visit all our friends and, you know, hug everybody and and kind of try and get back to normality rather quickly. But it's going to be about continuing to be quite controlled about that. So in level three, for example, they're saying you can extend your bubble a bit. So, for example, my daughter who lives up the hill and um, so we're not seeing her in, in physical contact with her, we'd be able to include her in our bubble now, which would be lovely. But they're saying, you know, maybe don't include people who are very vulnerable or limit the number of very vulnerable people you have in your bubble. So, um, you know, if you've got a, an elderly neighbor who doesn't have anybody else uh, in their bubble, you could maybe include them, but perhaps uh, limit the number of, of people just in case, you know, an infection does get into your bubble. So it's kind of about relaxing a bit but not not relaxing too much. And so it's really, you know, doing the things that are the asked, not forgetting to keep up um, our game on hygiene and, and staying away from other people if you get any symptoms. Uh, and I think as the testing capacity has ramped up, um, if you get symptoms, you know, ask to be tested because if you've got the infection, then you and everyone else you're in contact with will need to know. Dr. Preetz, we've got a couple of questions from listeners. Here's the first one. I've heard talk about some people getting mildly sick with coronavirus when they've had a low viral load and other people getting really sick with coronavirus when they've had a high viral load. Why don't we then all just have a very, very low exposure to coronavirus? Wouldn't we all just get mild symptoms and then be immune? Thanks. It's a really great question. Uh, There's two parts to my answer. Um, One is that we can't control what viral load we get. So we think, and I'm not sure that we're absolutely certain, but we think that people with a lower viral load may be less severely ill. But the problem is that we can't control the viral load you have. (laughs) You, You know, you get infected and the virus replicates in your body And if you're lucky enough that it doesn't replicate very much, you might have milder symptoms, but we can't kind of infect you in a way that makes sure that you only have a low viral load. So there's no way of actually doing that, except that, and this is the other part of my answer, of course, having a very, very low exposure in order to become immune is kind of the definition of a vaccine in a way. So that's what you're trying to do with a vaccine is to expose you usually not to a viable virus that could actually make you sick. 
but to um, some components of the virus to stimulate your immune system. So they've, they've got the right idea, but we can't do it by actually just infecting people. We've got another question here from another listener. Our strategy depends on eliminating the virus in New Zealand and then waiting for a vaccine to be developed. Is there any chance that we won't be able to create a vaccine to this virus? After all, we haven't been able to make a vaccine for the common cold, which is also a kind of coronavirus. Um, it's true that we can't be certain that we'll be able to develop a vaccine. Um, there are a massive number of people working on it, many more than would have ever been working on a vaccine for the common cold. Uh, so I think if it's possible to get a vaccine, we'll get one. The other thing to bear in mind is that treatments are also being developed and tested. And if someone comes up with a something equivalent to a good antibiotic that you can you know, mm. take as soon as you get symptoms and get cured, then the whole thing becomes a completely different ballgame. We have to wait and see, I guess, whether a vaccine arises. But in the meantime, we've also got treatments being developed and we need to continue to rely on good uh, testing, contact tracing, isolation and border management to keep things under control. Kia ora, Dr Priest. And remember, if you've got your own questions, feel free to send them through RNZ's Vox Pop app. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back with you on Monday. But until then, I hope you all have an awesome and safe weekend. Kia haumaru, kia kaha, mā te wā. The Coronavirus Podcast is presented by me, Indira Stewart. It's produced by William Ray, Jesse Chang and Sonia Sly. Our sound engineer is Adrian Holley and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to the Coronavirus Podcast anywhere and it's free. Just go to the podcasts and series page at rnz.co.nz. 